Hello, my friends from around the world. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Gun Show. Today I have, oh my gosh, guys, you know, I say this a lot. I have an honor or a privilege or I'm, welcome, I'm happy to present someone to you, but, you know, these are true statements and I want you guys to know that. And today it's another one of those days where I'm going to say I have the great privilege of being with someone who I am honored to call a friend. And to be fair, I've not known him too long, but... Since knowing him, he's gone straight to the top of my friend list. I got to be honest, man. He's just genuine. He's kind. He's a great engineer. And he works with a company that's doing really incredible work right now. This is The Gun Show. Let's get ready to podcast. <laughs> and welcome to the show, Pete. Pete is from Flying S. And how are you today, my friend? Oh, I'm doing awesome. Thanks, Tony. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Um, you know, we do this podcast a lot from Zoom, uh, but also whenever I'm traveling, I love to sit down with guys, gals, whoever, and talk face-to-face and just happen to be recording it. So we are in totally. Illinois, the middle of nowhere, Illinois. Yep. Where are we actually? We're in Palestine, Illinois, and uh, we're literally out in the middle of a cornfield and a cow pasture. And uh, flying S in the machine shop here. It, it kind of it, it feels comfortable, right? Super comfortable. Welcome to God's country. Well, what I, th- I love best, I think, is I don't have to fight traffic. Totally. <laughs> There's a lot of tractors on the road. <laughs> <laughs> Did dodge a couple of those this morning. Yeah. So let's <clears throat> let's learn a little bit about you, Pete. One of the one of my favorite things about this show, which I think is unique from a lot of other manufacturing and engineering podcasts, is we will get technical, but this is about you. This is about the authentic, transparent humanness of our industry, the people who are making some of the greatest things on the planet, who are they? And you have a really amazing story. So would you mind sharing a little bit about how you grow up, how you got into the industry, your family? Tell us about who you are, my friend. Wow. Well, this is pretty exciting. Thank you for the opportunity. I, you know, a lot of um, a lot of who I am, Tony, is is the people that have been able to help me to get to this point, right? And so I, I can't hardly talk about myself without thanking all the people that have got me to, the, to where I am today. Um, you know, everyone from, uh, you know, the Lord all the way down to my, my parents and, and everyone, of course. But but I'm, I'm just a machinist that had some goals in the beginning. I, I grew up in a family of nine kids on a family farm just down the road. <laughs> we had... Two, three bedrooms on a farm and one bathroom. Can you imagine how that was? With nine kids. With nine kids, yeah. Oh. So I was sent out to the barn oftentimes. Um, <clears throat> awesome um, family, um, home life, and, and just, um, you know, from an early age, my, my dad was a machinist, taught at Vincennes University in the machine trades department. Uh, he developed the CNC program that was over there. I can remember as a small kid, you know, I really had an affinity for um, building things and taking things apart, mostly taking things apart, <laughs> mostly fixing things I broke, actually. <laughs> and, uh, you know, with my dad as a machinist, I kind of, you know, I always wanted to be a machinist because I saw what he did where, you know, he was able to, to take some raw material. You know, we grew up on a farm, and so I feel the same way about that. You, you take a block of material that's worth $200. You put in the machine, and with your skills, you can turn it into $2,000. Just like how a farmer puts a seed in the ground, you know, uh, and, and then you get a corn cob of seeds. And so that value-added process to me is beautiful. And that's what I think makes America strong. And so I wanted to follow my father's footsteps and become a CNC machinist. 
and I saw a lot of opportunity there. And so that's, uh, I was homeschooled all the way up to college. I never actually went to public school. My first class was actually driver's ed. <laughs> uh, and then I went to college. I got an associate's degree in, um, in tool and die, where I used manual machines at Vincennes University to make uh, progression dies. Um, that was an experience using bridge ports to make, you know, 11 stage progression dies and stuff. Wow. Then I took another um, year and became a CNC um, uh, uh, machinist in the advanced machine trades program. So I have two associate degrees from Vincennes University. Um, I served a two-year mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Baltimore. Um, and then I went to, uh, so I took that little time off, and then I went out to uh, Haas Automation to do a three-year master apprenticeship program in Oxnard, California. Uh, that was an awesome experience. Yeah, I can imagine. Oxnard is a cool place. It was a cool place, you know, and I, and I, and I went at Vincent's University. They had Hosma equipment, right? You know, they're really focused on the HTEC, the Haas Technical Education Centers. And the way I saw it, Tony, is that these, uh, if they, how many do they make a month for those machines? It's like 1500 a month. I don't even know, but it is a lot, yeah. And so I thought, you know, if they're producing 1500 machines a month and they're going out everywhere all over the world, if I know how to use the machines really, really well, I can go anywhere in the world. And that's, and plus I, lo I love American manufacturing, they're making an American product. So California I went, this little kid from the farm, <laughs> and I, uh, I, I worked at Haas Automation for three years in the Master Apprenticeship Program, graduated as a manufacturing engineer, and then worked in special projects there for about another two years, and then uh, met a California girl and convinced her to come back to the Midwest, and that's where I, where I am. I'm at so. sucking her into marrying you. Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you talk. You know, I love these stories because I, I I get passionate when I hear you know someone like yourself share your story, right? Sure. I, and there's so many like segues and off topics of branches that I want to bring back up from what you just said. I think the first one is that I 100% agree with you. It is super cool that we can take a product, a piece of material, and turn it into something far more valuable. Exactly as the analogy you gave with the seed, which I think is a beautiful analogy. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're absolutely <clears throat> correct. I, I, I would love to hear more about that part of your passion because you obviously do that here at Flying S and you started at a young age apparently breaking things <laughs> and, then, and then fixing them. So to me, the, the, there's a lot of people out there that I think are intrigued with manufacturing that listen to sure. the gun show that aren't as... Uh, they don't know it as in-depth as we might, right? Yeah. So the idea of, wait, 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 what does he mean I can take a piece of material that's worth 50 bucks and turn it into something that's worth 5,000 bucks? What does that actually mean? Because I can turn a Bitcoin into $1 and turn to $50. I can turn a stock market from one. But yeah. what do you mean I can change material? How do I do that? Like, let, Let's talk a little bit more about that. Well, luckily, I don't have to talk uh, anything about Dogecoin or Bitcoin or anything like that because I don't know what I'm talking about. I, I, and what's funny is that the more I learn about manufacturing, the more I realize I don't know. But, but I'll just say this. Um, I can remember the first time I, when I was at Haas, I was making really cool parts. And I can't say enough uh, wonderful things about Haas Automation. Um, they provided me with an education. They really built who I am today, and I owe everything to Haas Automation, and I think that they're an amazing company. But I can remember the first time I made a part that was going to get put into space, 
and that moment where I, I took this punk chunk of, um, of titanium and it was difficult to cut and I figured out how to do it and and then I put it in a box and it got bolted onto a telescope that's going to eventually replace the Hubble. And I just read a story over the weekend with my eight-year-old daughter, my three-year-old daughter, my two-year-old, she's two. And it was about the Hubble telescope. And it was showing pictures of the Hubble telescope. And for me, Tony, to be able to say, well, the James Webb telescope is going to be able to allow us to even see farther. And to know that I helped make parts for that um, in a garage on a Haas machine is crazy. This is little simple parts. And that's just so exciting to be able to say that, you know, he had something to do with that, you know. Yeah, totally agree. You talk about, you know, and so for me, and sometimes, you know, I maybe I shouldn't say this, it doesn't really even matter what I make, you know, money-wise, you know, I'm just happy to, to be able to say that we, you know, had a part of that or, you know, you take pride in what you do. Unfortunately, I can't even say most of the stuff that we do, but, you know, that's that's what's so exciting is that you know that you're a part of making history. I mean, there's parts that I've made personally and that our shop has made that will be in the Smithsonian Institute, you know. Wow. How cool is that? That's super cool. Um, so you grew up, your dad was a machinist, mm -hmm. helped run Vincennes University, nine kids in your family. You're helping make parts that are going into space yourself. I would imagine your kids find inspiration in what you do also. This is a great trade for people in general, for families, for creating stability and mm -hmm. within a household and within uh, economical, within a country, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, my wife and I were just talking, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, I, there was a lot of the, her friends in California that were really having some hard times. And my heart goes out to those people, and there's a lot of shops, machine shops, that were negatively affected as well. Um, so I don't want to speak too lightly here, but, you know, in this industry, there's always going to be an opportunity for someone that works hard and, and, and is a good machinist. I tell you what, that brings me a lot of comfort to know that, um, you know, if I work hard and if I'm honest, I, I can get a job anywhere. You know, people are begging for machinists. And um, to be able to be a husband and a father that has that kind of stability um, is pretty, uh, it's, it makes me feel good, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I shared uh, with my family recently, I said, you know what my biggest fear is? Not being able to take care of you. Right. You know, yeah. and to have that stability is, as you said, comforting already, but it's even like an adjective that's more powerful than comforting, right? To know yeah. that, that this industry is something that helps the world go around. We're always making products and we're always going to have work. So for me, I, I couldn't agree more with you. But I want to talk a little bit about, uh, <laughs> most people I don't think know that I grew up in the Mormon religion as well. And you mentioned Church of Jesus Christ and the, and the mission and growing up in this small farm town. And sure. a lot of missionaries... Um, they go overseas. Was was Baltimore a little bit like going overseas for you? Oh my goodness! Well, yeah, it it wasn't the farm. I can tell you that. One of the things that I thought was one of the takeaways that I had was that um, there were places in Baltimore where I saw people that were living of all different backgrounds, uh, and they were living in ways that I didn't think that people lived in America. The, the amount of poverty, and um, and it just made me think that. I, you know, going back to machining, it sounds funny, but, you know, as I was out there, I was like, man, these guys need, 
These guys need the Lord in their life. They need to stop, look at their role models. They have horrible role models. And they need to learn a trade. Because I went to school at VU. I, didn't, I graduated with no debt. And I immediately went into a decent salary. And now I, ha I can work anywhere. Well, these people, they can do the same thing, you know. And, and so I really was out there. I was like, dude, Jesus Christ loves you. And become a machinist. <laughs> <laughs> that was your pitch. I was, yeah, I was preaching all sorts of stuff, as you can imagine. But, <clears throat> but don't you feel the same way? I mean, don't people need direction in their life? And if, and I don't think enough focus is on the trade. You know, learning trade skills, learning, learning something that you can be good at. Um, I, yeah, I think there's infinite amount of value um, in what you just said, in the sense that. Our human psyche, we we like to work, but we also want to be valued for our work. Right. And the industry that we're in creates that. So we go home happy a lot. I mean, mm -hmm. it's not as dirty as it used to be. It's a much no. cleaner environment now. We're making some really cool stuff. And at the end of the day, we go home proud of ourselves most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people say that technology takes away jobs, right? And um, that's another thing. You know, we have some robots that we just integrated here at Flying S, and, you know, a lot of people say robots take away jobs. And, and the truth is is that, um, first of all, you don't want your job to be a position where you could be taken by a robot. And, <laughs> as, and the second is that someone teaches a robot what to do. I tell my daughters I command the machines. <laughs> um, there is so much opportunity in manufacturing. And it doesn't have to be the guy that squirts oil on metal and, and cuts it, right? Like me, I'm a machinist. It, I mean, look at yourself in manufacturing, right? And there's so much, you can be the sales guy, you can do the marketing, you can do, uh, you can work on the machines, um, or you can be the president of the machine company, you know? And so there's a lot of different opportunities. Yeah, and to your point, you mentioned I got out of school with zero debt. Now. And at a pretty good salary right away, and right. I can work anywhere. Crazy. That's amazing to me, as this isn't publicized more. Everything you just said, right? Like Totally. I can go to school without having a $100,000 student loan I have to worry about later. I can go into a field that is in incredible demand. And then to your point about automation, I'm going to give a shout out to some good friends of mine over at DFF in Massachusetts. They invested upwards of $20 million in robots recently and over the last year hired 160 new people and they're still looking for 60. Automation is not reducing jobs. These robots aren't reducing jobs. They're emphasizing what can be done by removing the mundane and monotonous work and allowing us to get back to our creativity again. Absolutely. Absolutely. I. There, and what's cool is that technology is constantly uh, changing, and so even if even in my position where all right, so I'm in, I'm at Flying S, and you know we're a company that's doing some cool things, but it's constantly growing, constantly changing, and you know I could settle in or I could just you know help. And we joke around about how we're we're always looking for the next level. What's the next level? And we just recently bought some Matsura machines. That was the next level. So what's the next one after that? You know and. Um, you know, you, you never want to settle in. You, you see shops that have settled in, and then you see them on the auction block. And um, you look at their equipment, and you're like, wow, they must have had a really good year in 2002 because all their machines are 2002 machines. <laughs> what happened between 2002 and 2021, you know? so They got comfortable. They got comfortable. Yeah, don't do that. So let's talk a little bit about Flying S. Sure. A husband and a wife started it in a garage 
10 years ago, 12 years ago? Yeah, it, it, was, uh, it, was, it was longer than that. It was Dave and Penny Shaw. And Dave and Penny Shaw have a, a really cool story. Dave and his family own the, the land that we're on today, the, the farms and in the family for 200 years. And, and um, really just some outstanding people. Um, Dave has a background in aerospace uh, engineering uh, and, um, and designs airplanes, has worked for some major aircraft companies. And, and Penny's background is business, and she's from Australia, just a really great person. And um, they had a vision. And what they were doing, Tony, was that, um, you know, he, he went to all these companies and he learned all these things straight out of school. And then he came back to the family farm, built their own house from the wood on the farm. He literally built a sawmill and then built his house with that wood. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. It's yeah. incredible, yeah. Really cool guy. Great story. You'll have to hear it from him. But um, what happened was is that he was doing all this design work for these other companies, doing contract engineering work and stuff. And it got to the point where they were sick of having to... Um, outsource all of their machining for these little prototype parts. You know, they would design something and then they would have to get a quote and be four to six weeks and that, that turnaround time wasn't working. And so they made some investments in machines and about the time that I came from California with my my new lovely California girl um, <laughs> and came back to the family farm, that's whenever we uh, we I met Penny and Dave. It's, it's an exceptional story and if I'm going to leapfrog a little bit because I like the story, um, but I want to kind of connect it to what we were talking about a little bit a minute ago. In more or less 10 years' time, yeah. Flying S has gone from four, if two, four employees and one, two machines to what is it now? Yeah, so we're almost 100 employees, about 100 employees, um, and we've got 34 machines. And uh, we're in a, a you know a little over a hundred thousand square foot, and we're going to be breaking ground on uh, even more building. I think we've gone through five building expansions. Um, you know, we're sitting underneath a huge solar field, and we're enjoying some geothermal, you know, air conditioning. I mean, it's um, the, the welcome to the Flying S campus. Yeah, right. And of all the machines that you just mentioned that are here, from that growth from then until now. There's only a couple of machines that aren't 100% paid off, which I think shows your value and the company's value as well, that you guys have been able to do that, to make sure when I buy this, we're going to make it so efficient that we're going to be able to pay it off right away, get the parts out that we need to make. I know we can't talk about some of these parts because, guys, this is top secret. But <laughs> they did let MTD in. Somehow we got in. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm grateful to be here. But you guys have managed to do what a lot of people can't do and it's to create that balance between output and investment yeah and you guys have done a great job of that well you know culture um developing a culture in a company is the one of the most important things you could possibly do and from the very beginning we had a very um conservative um we were very conservative dave and penny are very conservative with what they do but also they're very willing to take calculated risk and because that gives you the greatest amount of reward. And so if you think about it, you calculate it, you see the vision of where you're headed, um, you know, a lot of people won't sit down and think, well, we can totally justify a, um, a Matsura machine that, you know, may cost a million dollars, right? But then you do the math and you're like, well, yeah, I can actually, you know? Um, and we didn't start that way. You know, in the garage, Tony, we joke about it. You know, looking back now, it's fun, but 
we had, uh, what was it, five machines stuffed in a little uh, aircraft hangar. Uh, and Dave and Penny lived upstairs, and they had their office upstairs, right? And then we had bubble wrap that we hung from the ceiling down to the floor to partition off everything to keep thermal growth and other stuff from affecting our CMM, which is in the same area. Bubble wrap. Bubble wrap, <laughs> yeah. And then we also had, um, we, we did some composite layup in that room, and we had our saw. Everything was packed in where you kind of wove your way through the shop, and that's how we started. And, you know, um, we joke about the garage days back then. And But the, it was in that, my point is, is that in that environment, Tony, engineering was key. The purpose of the machine shop was to allow the engineers to flex. And so whenever you, what I mean by that is that, and it's still true today, we don't even see ourselves as a machine shop. We see ourselves within, as an engineering firm that has the ability to manufacture. If you have that culture in mind, the machine shop exists to allow the engineers to be able to design and to be able to build for manufacturability fast. And so that's how we're able to control costs. That's how we're able to do things very quickly. I mean, we can literally take, if you were to design, let's say you want a new iPhone case made out of carbon, right? Mm -hmm. We could design the mold, machine the mold for the carbon, lay up the carbon, CNC trim the carbon, and do all of that stuff. We, we have an under a week turnaround time for composite parts. It's not, there's not a lot of places that do that sort of thing. Well, I am in the market for a new phone case. Can we knock one out in yeah, about a week? Yeah, let's just do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to talk a little bit, if you don't mind, because I definitely value you as a human. Um, I'm very grateful to get to meet your family. But I'd also like to talk about the value um, that Dave and Penny, the owners of Flying S, uh, what they bring to the company. Because there's a lot of things I don't know. But I do know that... You guys don't work a second and third shift because value is um, uh, the family is important sure. and that's yeah. valued very much. Um, there's a lot of farm to table stuff going on here where they on the farm they have you know cows and animals and things like that and they'll bring it for some of the employees and I believe it's maybe like a five dollar buy in or something like that but then that goes to the community like charity type work so obviously you know this more than I do but it really seems like this there's a family environment here that's worth being a part of. Well, yeah, you know, um, people talk about work-life balance, but we talk about work-life integration. And, um, you know, I'm going to spend a third of my life at this place, and um, I want to make sure that it's worth it. And, and Dave and Penny have a, um, have a vision, and their vision is um, happy people that have happy families, and they're making a good um, living wage for their families. And and, um, and so they do everything they possibly can, Tony, to make our family's life better. So they give me a good job. Um, we, everything, I mean, the simple things like a phone plan through the company. You know, I'm saving a couple hundred dollars a month because of that phone plan. It was easy for them to do. We're, an employee, we're becoming a, uh, an employee-owned company. I mean, you talk about, I, I didn't have any money to invest in Flying S. When we started in the road, you know, you can imagine buying shares, right? I didn't have any of that. But I had time and passion, and so I call that sweat equity. So I put in my sweat equity, and now, now I'm reaping the benefits of that because Flyness is incredibly successful. Um, we have an on-site on -site cook that cooks food for us every day, and Flyness donates that food to that, um, and then we pay $5 out of our meal to go to a local charity. 
And so if I, I and that's that's food that comes. We have a flying S beef division, and so <laughs> the kind of grass-fed beef outside, we get less than Walmart prices for grass-fed beef, and that's a company benefit. So you just, you know, there's uh, my my wife and kids are going to be coming for lunch today, and we'll just be sitting on the back patio that they provided for us, sitting out in front of the fully stocked pond that has, you know, that's out there as well, enjoying a beautiful day with my family because um, we do work hard here. And we do work, work long hours when we have to, but, um, but I get to see my family and, you know, that flexibility is amazing, you know? Yeah, it really is. Um, don't tell the guys at MTD, but I'm going to leave my resume with you. <laughs> you guys let me know if you're looking that's for right. a, a halfway good machinist. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, we, we'd love to have your smile here. <laughs> I'm, no, sure that, yeah. I'm sure the MTD guys will never hear this podcast, even though they do all the editing. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Um, so anyways, you know, flying, I, um, to be able to, I, I mean, think about how lucky I feel. I grew up on a family farm just down the road that that's multi-generational. That means a lot to me. And I went to school to be a machinist and I got to travel the world for Haas automation and, um, and see a lot of really neat things. And then I came back to the family farm and only 20 minutes down the road, I found one of the greatest opportunities that I can possibly imagine making incredible parts for the, some of the best people I've ever met. Um, I'm not sure why it happened that way, Tony, but I'm a, a pretty grateful person. Great gratitude is so very important. You have plenty of it and for good reason, but not everyone finds gratitude in all things. And I think that you do a very good job of that. Um, if I'm going to give my two cents on why things fell into place a little bit, it's because you're a good dude to start with. But secondly, you were brave. You left. You know, you went out west. You learned something. You were, grew up on a farm and then went to Oxnard, which is quite a bit bigger, even though there is a lot of farmland yeah, out there. Yeah, that's right. Um, you learned what you needed to learn. Found, it just so happened to be that you found love as well. Yeah. Brought that love back to your home and helped grow a really incredible business. So... You mentioned sweat equity. You've done that. And so yeah. you're reaping the rewards. And with your constant level of gratitude, those rewards will continue to snowball because you're seeing the good in the things that are around you. Well, I, I hope so. And it's, and it's, <laughs> we all, yeah, I hope so too. <laughs> well, and, you know, it's, it's guys like yourselves with MTD, CNC, and, and, and yourself, Tony, that, you know, your guys' um, help in, in getting us out there as Flying S really helps. But like I said, it's a it's a – this is a team thing. Um, but you know what? It's it's really nice to be able to follow people with a vision. Dave and Penny have a vision. I have a vision. Um, what's going to take us to the next level? And um, and and then you just act, right? And and so if, if it takes some extra effort, some extra time, let's do it. You know, we've, we've had, um, I mean, we've been trying to, we've actually been sustaining like two or 300% growth rate for the last 10 years. So I feel like I've I may have been here for only 10 years. I was like, uh, I think I'm the ninth employee out of 100. And, but, um, but I feel like I've been here for a lot longer than just 10 years. <laughs> I can imagine. But, yeah, and I see a lot of opportunity for growth in our company now. Um, you know, we've only been doing five axes for like six years, and, um, but it's the majority of what we do. We build everything from small components that go in unmanned uh, aircraft um, all the way up to... Um, 34-foot wingspan drone wings for uh, manned and unmanned aircraft as well. Um, we've been able to support some really cool space um, things and um, 
I mean, I wish we could talk about it more, but we just can't, right? <laughs> I see you, you know, guys, we're doing a podcast, so you're only going to get the audio, but I'm sitting across from a table with Pete, and, and I see his face just wanting to, to express <laughs> all the cool stuff that they're making, but uh, I can't do it, can't do it. So. Well, think about how exciting it is to be a machinist in another space race. You know, you read about the space race back in the Apollo days, right? And how exciting that was to be able to see someone on the moon. To know that the next time someone sets foot on the moon, you may or may not have had something to do with that. May or may not. <laughs> <laughs> well, something I like to do on this show, Pete, um, is as we start to, to close out uh, the show itself, I value people like yourself and the journey you've gone through. And ask if you could share a piece of advice for the audience out there. And it could be advice um, that maybe you were given, or it could be advice that uh, the youth needs to hear for today, or it could be advice to the older generation that maybe needs extended motivation working in the manufacturing, whatever it might be. You know, what advice would you offer to anyone out there that's going to be listening to this podcast? Well, to all the machinists out there, uh, if you can't make it right, make it shiny. <laughs> <laughs> but what I would also say is that I'm not, I'm not actually that smart. Um, I... Um, you know, I think I failed the same math class in school, and we're talking basic algebra um, multiple times. Um, so I'm, I'm not actually that smart, but, they're, um, but I'm willing to, to work hard to make up for it. And, and so what I would say is that uh, we're lucky enough to be in a country uh, to have the freedom to literally do whatever we want. And for people to say that that's not true or they're limited and stuff like that, it's just not true. Um, it may be hard, it may not be easy, but everyone that's successful has tried and worked at it. And, and what I did was is that, um, you know, I, I was 16 when I started college. I worked really, really hard, and I had a vision. And, um, and I feel like um, I, I am who I am and what I am today because I, I worked hard to get what I wanted. And I made some mistakes, and I learned from those things, and I just kept moving forward. And so, uh, so my, my, I guess my long, that's, that's a long answer, but it was really to just say that you're not limited at all. You have the freedom to go out and get what you want. Just be willing to work for it. Um, and, um, and that's what I did. And you don't have to be that smart. You can you can just wag it, figure it out along the way. Fail algebra a few times and yeah. still figure it out. Just yeah. work hard. Yeah, they make books that are references for all that stuff. They didn't ask someone smarter than you if you need the help. But, <laughs> you know, it's a little it's crazy. I mean, here I'm in a position at Flying S. I do a lot of the quoting of the metallic parts, and so I'll actually sit down and look at a part, Tony, and have to try to figure out what machine makes it, how much it's going to cost, how much time it's going to take, what resources we need. That's a pretty complicated process to figure out how a part in space is how much a part in space is going to cost. Um, so maybe I need to learn a little bit more about my algebra. <laughs> but it works. I make it work. And, um, and what an opportunity to be in. Yeah, well, like you said, hard work pays off. And I know you always do due diligence when you're researching something. I've heard you talk about many projects. And if it's something as simple as watching a video on YouTube or studying a Wikipedia site to, you know, sitting down and, and having small failures from time to time, which often lead to the largest growth. I know you do your due diligence. I've seen you work. Yeah, So, thanks. you know, kudos, kudos to that. Um, Flying S itself doesn't really do a ton of social media. 
Um, but if someone's listening to this podcast and they go, you know what, I'd like to learn more about Pete or I'd like to learn more about Flying S, are there any sites where they can find you? Well, that's a good question. So you're always welcome to go to the Flying S website, which is www.flying-s.com. And you can go and see our machining capabilities. Um, just click on the uh, capabilities page and you'll be able to see a lot of the really neat parts that we're working on. Um, we, we have a little bit of, uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny with this whole COVID thing, you know, the people talk about social distancing. It's kind of in our DNA. We're out in the middle of nowhere. So we don't have much of a social media presence. But you're always welcome to our website. And, you know, if you're, I'll also throw this out there, um, and I tell everyone this, it is if you have a kid that is interested in manufacturing or engineering and doesn't know anything about it, um, contact us. We'll show him the magic of manufacturing. Or her. Or her. That's right. Well, Pete, as always, valuable conversations. If I didn't live so far away, I think we'd probably hang out on a more regular basis. But <laughs> I do appreciate you sharing your time uh, on the gun show and sharing your wisdom with the people who are listening. And uh, keep doing your thing, man. It's really great. Uh, thanks. I'm so excited to be on the gun show, Tony. And it's really a pleasure to work with you. And we love what you're doing with MTD CNC. Keep it up. Thanks, bud. Appreciate it. Absolutely.